Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We need to try to change people's minds about the use of their devices. Just because you can bring your phone back to Apple and get a new one the next day because you're on Apple Care or a special insurance program doesn't mean that you have to or that you should, and it's definitely not good for the environment. Well, we've all been pushed around. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated, the podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone. I'm Tanya Goodin, and each week I'll be talking to my guests about how they manage the relationship with the tiny tyrant in their pocket. We'll be talking about how our phone habits affect our work, our lives and our loves and about what our relationship with our phone might just tell us about our relationship with ourselves. If you want help and you want hope, you've come to the right place. This is It's Complicated. My guest this week is Kelsey Weber from iFixit, the global repair community. Four years ago, Kelsey had never seen the inside of a smartphone. Now you'll find her on iFixit's YouTube channel, disassembling electronics, giving them a repairability score and teaching people how to fix them. iFixit's goal is to stall the global e-waste epidemic by empowering consumers to repair their own stuff. Their mission statement Let's fix the world one device at a time. So thanks for thinking of us and taking the time to chat. Well, do you know what? I'm going to actually explain to the podcast listeners how I found you, because I think it's a kind of interesting sort of reflection of how maybe we are unaware of part of the problem we're creating with our tech habits. So obviously the, the environment and climate change and, you know, what we're doing to the planet is really topical at the moment. So we've been thinking as a household, you know, what we could be doing to be, you know, kind of being more eco-friendly and environmentally friendly. And I just noticed that there were more and more bits of kit lying about the house in piles, you know, old phones, old laptops, old iPads. I kept thinking I must, you know, do something with them. I must find out what it is I need to do in order to kind of dispose of these or recycle them. And then I thought, actually, we're probably a lot unique. There's probably this is happening everywhere. And I and I did some, you know, kind of research online. And I came across this recent UN report that said that electronic waste was the fastest growing part of our waste stream 
and that specifically in 2011, uh, Americans threw away 151 million phones, 416,000 a day. And so I started to think, well, you know, why are we throwing all this kit away? And I found you. I found iFixit and I found the right to repair movement, which I have to say I was completely ignorant about. And I think a lot of my podcast listeners will be as well. So I think what I'd really like to do is kind of kick off with you explaining to everybody why why we are throwing away tech and why is it so hard to repair it (laughs) and to refurbish it and what you know why are we creating this kind of mound of hardware that's actually causing real problems for the planet yeah i think what you're experiencing with the pile up of electronics in your home whether they're old phones old internet modems everybody seems to have a junk drawer full of this stuff because there aren't a lot of resources to get them fixed or to have them recycled properly and so part of what i fix it's doing is we're trying to teach everyone how to fix everything. (laughs) And that seems kind of like a crazy goal. But when it comes to repairing electronics, people don't have the resources they need to keep them working. And that's why they're ending up, you know, in the garbage or in the landfill, because people just don't know what to do with them. Part of that comes down to, you know, repairability of these devices. But I think even before that, If we kind of look at the lifespan of an electronic device, you know, from the beginning, devices, you know, they've got rare earth elements that go into making electronics. Lots of toxic stuff gets pulled out of the ground, put into this phone or this laptop that is not designed with the end of life or repairability in mind. Manufacturers are building electronics to last, you know, one or two years. And there's a couple different things that manufacturers, you know, are, are doing, you know, whether you could argue whether it's deliberate or not. Gluing in batteries into phones and laptops is saying, hey, this is just this laptop that you spent $1,000 on. This is only going to live two to three years because the battery that we've glued into it only lasts that long. The rest of the device could be completely fine, but the battery that's glued in will run out and we have, and manufacturers aren't giving consumers um, the resources they need to go in and get a quick swap done so they can keep their device lasting longer. So yeah. you see, I didn't know that, that, that one thing you've just said. So I've got a MacBook Pro. Apple MacBook Pro, are you telling me that the battery in this is glued in then? Yeah, so depending on which model, but definitely for newer models of MacBook Pros, MacBook Airs, MacBook Retinas have batteries. They're multiple cells. They're very flat and skinny, and they're just, they're glued in there with crazy double-sided sticky tape in a sense. And so with some older design laptops, you used to be able just to flip over the laptop, use a screwdriver you know, to open yeah, up the I remember back. Those. You could and disconnect it or pop yes. them out. <laughs> yeah. And so as devices are becoming thinner and designed, you know, not to be repaired, we're seeing a lot of the more repairable aspects of designs and laptops um, going away. Yeah, electronics are definitely not designed um, with the end of life in mind. You used to be able to swap a battery out of your old Nokia phone or your laptop pretty easily, but manufacturers argue that consumers want thinner devices and this is what the people want when really what we're actually seeing more recently is that people are holding on to their devices and they're, they're looking at these 
electronics as an investment, but also from a sustainable mindset. So they're, um, they want their devices to last longer. I think people are more aware of the global impact of electronic waste. Like you mentioned, yeah, the U.S. is we're getting rid of 150 million smartphones a year and global e-waste production is surpassing 15 million metric tons of 50 million metric tons of e-waste every year. And if you think about it, every, you know, <laughs> I often wonder, I'm like, where are all these devices and where are all these things at? Many people are upgrading year after year in some of these um, upgrade programs that they have for cell phone carriers. And it's very difficult to properly recycle or to get these electronics into the hands of people they need them. So when you turn in your device to Apple or to your manufacturer to get refurbished, where does it where does it really go? I think Apple wants Apple often, you know, and I use we're using Apple as an example. We have, there are many examples from other manufacturers, but a- Apple shows off their robots that they use to recycle electronics, and they show this robot, this one-armed robot that can easily remove all the screws and take out the motherboard and the battery, and you know, take this iPhone and break it into all of its um, individual individual pieces, so that way it can, you know, have a new life. Get um, the components can be, you know, reused later on, but really. And if you look at any of the teardowns that we've done, any of the teardown videos that I've done on our channel, it's just not that easy. You don't just hold a phone up and remove the screws. There's tons of adhesives and soldering points. And there's so much more to this that there it would take, I mean, thousands and thousands of these robots that Apple you know, is using to really impact you know, the problem, to truly get all of the devices that are made every single year properly recycled, refurbished, or just properly disposed of. It would take thousands of them. And I think Apple has two or maybe three on the way. <laughs> Why are we not talking about this more? I mean, we're, we're talking about the need to move from you know, diesel and petrol cars to electric cars. We're talking about the need to stop using single-use plastics. Why are we not covering, why are the press not covering this mountain of electronic waste that we're creating every day? So we're seeing more press coverage when it comes to right to repair from the agricultural angle. So one comparison I'd like to make, so right to repair legislation in the U.S. is asking for manufacturers to provide parts, tools, and resources so consumers can do battery swaps and screen repairs and some of those kind of everyday repairs that need to be done themselves. And very similar to how we go and we fix our cars. You don't have to go back to the manufacturer to have your tires changed or your oil done on your car. You go to... You could do simple things yourself, can't you? Yeah, and or you could go to a third-party repair shop that has the parts in the resources and you can go to an expert and they can do it for you but you as a consumer you have options there so in the u.s you know we have electronics manufacturers that are lobbying against the consumer's right to repair because they don't want their intellectual property as they say they don't want their intellectual property you know revealed whereas right now People have these devices. We have the tools to opening them up. You can hold people accountable for stealing your intellectual property and give them the resources to repair their investments and their their devices. So in the U.S., we're seeing right to repair pick up more steam in the agricultural industry because farmers are buying tractors from John Deere and some of these major manufacturers. And these tractors aren't just regular tractors anymore. These tractors are robots in a sense, and the electronics in them fail. And farmers 
are having a hard time right now getting their tractors fixed because they're dependent upon the manufacturer to send an expert out to read the error codes and to tell them what's wrong with their expensive farm equipment. And sometimes they can't wait for somebody to come out to their farm to diagnose what could be a very easy fix, like an oil change or something basic. And sometimes they have to have their entire tractor unit towed into the facility, which costs thousands and thousands of dollars. And, you know, farmers in America, when they miss work because they don't have their the tractors and the tools that they need, that's their livelihood at stake. So in the States, we're seeing more pickup with right to repair as it pertains to the agricultural industry. And we're seeing people motivated by the consumer rights aspect of right to repair. People and something that you often talk about is this relationship that we have with our devices. And Repair can allow people to have a a healthier relationship with their devices. If you can open up a device, or if you open up an iPhone for the first time, I feel like you're going to be like, wait, is that it? Is that all that it is? Just those components, (laughs) a couple connections, and it demystifies it for you. And it almost, you know. It seems quite magical, doesn't it, at the moment, this device that we can't. And and I like your line um, that you use somewhere, you know, if you can't fix it, you don't own it. Yeah. And in a way, in a way... I mean, that re- I really relate to that because I kind of feel like I don't really own my iPhone and I and you know MacBook because if something goes wrong with it, I literally don't know what to do. You know, I have to take it to the the you know Apple Store, yeah, and get them to fix it. So you're right; it it kind of exacerbates this slightly complicated relationship we have with them. Yeah, and they already have so much, the devices themselves, we allow them to have so much control over us. And in a way, manufacturers also have control over you in that sense because they're trying to control the repair options for you. So you have to go to them when something breaks. You don't have anybody else to go to, which is really scary for those of us that live and work off of our electronic devices. Our livelihood is based on the work that we produce on them. So we need more resources to get them fixed. And I think we saw this kind of this outcry and this need during Battery Gate. I was just about to ask you about that because that's when we heard about this in the press, didn't we? That's for me, that's the first time. Um, so, yeah, tell us about Battery Gate. Yeah. So Apple announced that they that older phones were having a hard time keeping up with the new updates. And if you you know throttled the battery power on your device, it would prevent it from shutting down. So essentially saying old devices can't keep up with these new updates. So we're going to, you know, throttle these devices so they can, you know, work as best as possible for you. But what they weren't thinking is that, you know, some people don't need to upgrade their phones to the um, latest, greatest update. Of course, we want to update our devices to keep them safe. But ultimately, people with an iPhone 5 should be able to still use their iPhone 5. It shouldn't be, you know, throttled in order to try to keep up with with the newest updates. But when Apple started giving away free battery replacements for their iPhones, they dropped their uh, battery replacement costs from about $75 down to $29. And then we did the same thing because we wanted, well, there were only a certain number of Apple stores in the U.S., let alone just globally. And if you have millions of people that are due for a battery upgrade or are having this problem with their devices, they're just, they're not going to be able to service everybody in a timely manner. And what we saw were people going to the Apple store to cash in on that, that battery replacement. And then they had to wait hours, weeks, months, and then they came to us or they started looking for these parts online. And uh, so we saw 
hundreds of thousands of people coming to us to buy these batteries, looking up these repair guides and to get help because they couldn't go to their manufacturer. The manufacturer couldn't meet their needs in the time um, that they needed. And we hear stories like this all the time from people in our online repair community through our you know, repairs on YouTube that we work with to our consumers who come to us and say, I use my smartphone or my laptop. I brought it to Apple. They told me I had all these different kinds of problems when really I just needed a battery swap. Or they told me they couldn't service my device because it's considered a vintage model. So with BatteryGate, we saw people flooding to Apple for repairs, but Apple just couldn't keep up. And so when they couldn't keep up or when people weren't qualified for the free battery replacements, they needed other resources. And so then that's when we came in, dropped our uh, prices of our battery fix kits, and saw a lot of people have successful battery swaps because opening up a phone or a laptop to replace the battery isn't that hard, especially when you have the right resources. You have a step-by-step guide with photo instructions and the right tools and a video giving you an overview of what you're getting into. When people are given the resources, they will take the option that's best for them financially and that's also best for the for the environment. I think most people look at a phone with a cracked screen and say, oh my gosh, you know, do I really have to throw this away? It's just a cracked screen. And so that's what we're trying to provide people are fix kits, so the parts, tools, and the resources so they can complete these repairs themselves, or at least just have more options to choose between fixing it themselves, going to a professional, or having to go to the manufacturer. Nobody wants to be stuck going to the manufacturer to pay for an overpriced part, overpriced repair services, when it's something that they could do by themselves at home. Apple is actually suing independent repairers, aren't they? I mean, I've been reading about this a bit in the press. If you, if you're trying to do something yourself, you know that's one thing. But if you're trying to, if if you're feeling you're not quite at that level of sophistication, even with your fantastic videos and your instructions, and you think, well, I'll go to a little independent repairer, and cracked glass, I think is the you know the perfect example. Everybody's had cracked glass, haven't they, on their smartphone? <laughs> um, and but Apple are actually. I think. I mean, there was quite. A, I think there was quite a famous case. Was it in Scandinavia? Somewhere in Scandinavia, they were suing an independent repairer. Yeah, Apple's been suing independent repair shops for counterfeit parts. There are lots of aftermarket parts out there, so they'll seize parts at customs and say that you know these are um, you know not sanctioned aftermarket parts when when they are. And we have to be careful with that too from our suppliers and our parts. But we make everything to OEM standards and then test everything at home. And you know we haven't had the issue that a lot of these third party repair shops um, have been having. Apple will you know. I'm trying to speak not so much about Apple more generally. Yeah, as, it's not um, just Apple. Yeah, what, we should yeah. make that really clear. It's, you know, all smartphone manufacturers are to an extent involved in the same game of making it difficult to repair, aren't they? Absolutely. And they already make it difficult with how they build their devices. So that's hard enough for third-party repair shops to try to fix these devices for people that aren't meant to be repaired. And then when they can fix them, they have a hard time sourcing the parts because manufacturers don't make OEM parts readily available. We're lucky to have a relationship with manufacturers like Motorola who partner with us to provide us with OEM parts because Motorola wants their consumers to be able to do DIY repairs. 
But not all manufacturers are doing this and they crack down, you know, yeah, by seizing parts at customs and things like that. And then they also, you know, lobby against our right to repair just in the political scene. One in the U.S., we're, we're trying to rally as much grassroots movement as we can to get as many third party repair shops regular folk like you and me that are just trying to fix our devices to get them into these hearings with legislators so legislators can hear people hear the fact that people are actually fixing their devices they're capable of fixing them it's not too hard and and it doesn't make manufacturers any more liable after the fact so manufacturers will lobby against repair you know behind the scenes but that's why i fix it why we work with repair.org um, us perg a lot of these consumer interest groups to lobby back at Apple against against Apple and to represent the repair community in legislative meetings and um, you know at the state capitol you know here in California. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. California. So if I'm a consumer and I'm concerned about the environment, let's kind of cycle back to where we were at the beginning. And I'm thinking about my impact on the planet and the fact that this electronic waste is toxic. It contains lead. It contains chromium, um, flame retardants. I don't want to throw my phone away. How do I get involved in helping raise awareness or campaigning? I mean, in the US, you've got the right to repair movement. Do you know what's happening in the UK, in the EU? Are there organisations? You know, how can you as a consumer say... I own this device, I want to be able to fix it. You know, what's the best thing we can do? I think the best thing, first thing you can do is to try fixing your electronic devices when they break and to know that there are options out there. You can go to iFixit to get a kit to do it yourself. There's so much information. People are fixing things and they're, they're smart enough and confident enough to fix these things and the information is available online and so first step try to fix 
these things yourself. And when you can go to your manufacturer to ask for repair services, you should because it lets them know that the consumer wants those types of services. So try fixing your own things. Um, the second thing would be to within your local community to support repair initiatives or seeing repair cafes popping up exponentially all over the place in the United States. Actually, we've got one in London. Yeah, I've seen that in the press recently, repair cafes. They kind of meet in different cafes and you bring your devices in and everybody shares information about how you might fix it. It sounds fascinating. Yeah, so that's at the community level. You can support those um, the repair initiatives from these local community groups. And I do a lot of that. We um, give away a lot of free toolkits to people who need them because we want people fixing their stuff. And then from the political aspect, in like I mentioned in the U.S., right to repair is very much focused on consumer rights. And so we need people sharing repair stories. And that's why we ask people to share their next fix with hashtag iFixit so, they can, so we can show the world that people are actually fixing these things. In the EU, we actually have, our headquarters is in California, but we have a satellite office in uh, Germany. So iFixit EU is alive and well. And our team in Europe works with the local government to do repairability assessments and research so we can learn about what the impact of our electronics use is on the environment. So our team in Europe works more on um, sustainability initiatives. We're here at home in the U.S. We're trying to focus on the consumer's rights when it comes to being able to repair the electronics they own. So supporting those initiatives and then also iFixit is a wiki-based website, so we have over 50,000 free repair guides on there, and only a portion of those have been made from the iFixit team. People recognize our teardowns and things, but the repair guides, anybody can go online and write a repair guide and show the world how to fix anything. And we also need help translating all of these all of these guides, because the, the more guides we have in more languages, the more, that, more um, things that people are able to fix. So I think the first thing we can do is to tell manufacturers and to tell our politicians that there is a demand for this, that people do want to fix their devices and they want more resources to do it. There are a lot of things that are prohibiting them from doing that right now. It's the design of devices, the price and availability of aftermarket parts, a lack of resources. But if you give people those resources, they will step up and they will do the right thing for for their back pocket and sustainably. And so that's what the you know right to repair mission is just trying to get manufacturers to do is to make those resources more readily available. But they have to hear from the consumers. So I think the best way they can hear it is by fixing, asking for those those resources, and then being involved at the community level because we need to try to change people's minds about the use of their devices. Just because you can bring your phone back to Apple and get a new one the next day because you're on Apple Care or a special insurance program doesn't mean that you have to or that you should. And it's definitely not good for the environment. Well, it's a bit like single-use plastic, isn't it? For me, it's just because we can buy bottled water (laughs) and it's very convenient doesn't mean that's what we should be doing. Absolutely. And people just need to know that the, re- the resources are out there. So if you're the next time your phone breaks or your laptop's battery starts giving out, your first thought should be, how can I fix this? Not, oh my gosh, I probably need to get a new one. I don't know who to go to. I don't, I'm not smart enough to fix this. What's this, you know, what is this thing? So let me just take one example, because I'm sure everybody's had this example. So if my iPhone screen cracks, I can go to iFixit, I can find information on how to fix it, but where would I get the part? Where would I get the glass from? Right. Is, is that the kind of missing link in the 
chain or do you provide information about where you can get that part from? So if your smartphone, if you were to crack the screen on your smartphone and, and you went online and you said how to fix broken screen on iPhone or Samsung or any Android device, iFixit would pop up and we have complete fix kits that include the tools, the parts, and you get at, you get the free guide that goes along with it. So we're trying to be the one-stop shop to give everybody everything they need. Now, we can't source the parts for every single electronic out there. So if you have a different kind of device or a household appliance that that we don't, you know, sell parts for, then finding those parts online, they are available but but it's difficult. So I fix it's trying to keep it all all the resources in one place, keep them free for everybody to use, and then to get those parts, high quality parts and tools that people need to fix their electronics. So for my fix it, you can get the whole thing. Um, if you're trying to embark on a repair outside of I fix it, then you know parts are available online. They can be hard to look for, but at I fix it, we try to keep everything together so people can do it themselves. Well, I'm going to make a commitment now on this podcast that the next time I get a cracked screen, I'm going to have a go at fixing it myself. Yeah, well, just give <laughs> me a call. I... I would love to send you a kit and some <laughs> some of my words of wisdom because our repair guides are really helpful and our our, our um, teardown team does an incredible job. We're, you know, I fix it's one of the top teardown teams in the world. We take beautiful photos and write really helpful, fun instructions. And uh, we just need to make repair more inviting for people that don't have the technical confidence to embark on this this type of thing. But we're boosting people's confidence and changing people's tech identity, you know, every day because we're making um, electronics repair more accessible for people. And it's very satisfying, isn't it, when you fix something? I mean, I've had, you know, not personally with electronic devices, but I've had plenty of examples of appliances around the house that I have found a YouTube video for and fixed and then being very pleased with myself <laughs> that I've been able to fix it. I think it's very satisfying. Um, and the thought that we can't fix our digital devices is kind of infantilizing in a way, isn't it? It's making us feel helpless. Absolutely. So I like the idea of taking, taking back that control and feeling more confident about um, these devices that we own. Absolutely. There's, I think, no greater feeling than to finally close your iPhone after you've, you know, finished a display replacement to power it back on and to see, you know, the little Apple logo come up again. And I've seen people have this aha moment with their technology where they come into a repair shop or a repair cafe and they feel so hopeless. You know, they feel bad that they're clumsy, that they dropped their that their device that wasn't designed for you know, with that in mind, and it should have been from the beginning. And then they don't think that they have any resources. But once, you know, you have all of the right resources and you complete that fix yourself, I think it's important just to make technology more relatable to people and to just get people more comfortable with their tech. They need to open it up <laughs> and and realize that it's not as you know mysterious as uh, we've been led to believe. It's and not magic, is it? It's not not <laughs> magical fairy dust. That's for sure. <laughs> There's so much more I could ask you about, Kelsey, but I'm, I'm going to wrap it up by just asking you a few things sure. about your relationship with tech. Because um, yeah. obviously you, you spend a lot of time online helping people through iFixit. So 
I guess the, the first thing I want to say is, do you have a message to people about their phone habits and about their relationship with tech that you'd like them to take away from this episode of the podcast? Absolutely. I started working for iFixit four years ago. And while I did study science and engineering and mathematics at university, I had never opened an electronic device. And I definitely didn't think that I was capable of diagnosing and fixing a lot of these problems. And it wasn't until I started working for iFixit and I started helping make these videos and I started teaching people how to write repair guides and opening electronics did I kind of build up this technical identity and this and this confidence with that. And so the one thing I want people to know is that you are capable of fixing your electronics. And I often tell people that if you can build a Millennium Falcon um, like Lego setup with your cousin, <laughs> you can replace the screen in, you know, in your smartphone. You can repair even a broken display on your laptop or replace a battery, replacing the RAM. All of these things, I think for a long time, we've been um, told to believe that we're not technically uh, competent enough to do these things. And manufacturers continue to push that as they advocate against um, right to repair. But you are. My hairstylist uh, told me, oh, I don't know if I you know, would be able to fix my phone. I don't know if I have the dexterity. And I was like, you're my hairstylist. You're cutting my hair. You definitely have the <laughs> skills to do this, especially with the right resources and tools. And so I want people to know they have the resources. They're at iFixit, and uh, we're definitely there to help. And once you open one electronic device, you'll be surprised by how many more things you want to try to tackle and fix yourself. And they won't seem like a mystery anymore once you've got the back off that phone. Yeah, they really won't. And I know that, you know, over the years for me, it's been just huge for developing my technical identity. I came from a household that didn't have a whole lot of, you know, we didn't have game systems, you know, growing up. I think my first smartphone was an iPhone 5 when I was 21. I'm 29 now and I have a, a iPhone 7 Plus. I still have my iPhone 5. It's still in great condition. <laughs> so I've now, I've, I have this new relationship with my de- devices that I didn't have before, both from, you know, feeling like I've got technical chops to also just wanting to maintain them and keep them around. So that's kind of where I come from. I come from not a very tech savvy or technically inundated um, family. And um, But after working for iFixit, I feel like I have a healthier relationship with my electronics, even though I am using them more. Um, right to Repair is alive and well on the internet. And we have you know pretty strong presence on Twitter and our YouTube channel. And while I feel like I'm consuming tech more regularly than I ever have before, I have control over <laughs> my electronics because I know how to fix them and I'm not scared by what's inside. I'm imagining, though, that literally everyone in your family comes to you when they've got a problem with their devices. Yes, that's, that's what, in, so this is another warning to people. As soon as you fix one device, everybody will think that you can fix all of them. And you'd be surprised by how much you can learn from one device. But um, be warned, everybody will want you to fix all of their things. But you have to tell them the whole point of this is for them to fix it themselves. Help them out with the parts and tools, but yeah, fix it yourself. So have you got a tip about how you get balance around tech and your devices given that you're working for a platform that's all about sharing this information digitally do you find it difficult to get a good kind of tech life balance work life balance 
At the beginning, I de- definitely did. You know, I really didn't use social media for you know any business or personal use too much before I started working at iFixit. And now that I've been doing these YouTube videos and we've been you know trying to share repair content in many different ways via blogs and social media and videos, it was hard at first to kind of find that balance. I think I went very heavily in one direction where I was on all the apps and all the things all the time. And when you work for iFixit, you're very motivated by the mission and you want um, to really help people fix all the things all the time. So the balance that I had to find, I had to remember just going back to growing up as a kid where when you sat down at dinner, you put your phone in the other room. And when you were, you know, within a group of people, my parents would be like, hey, you know, put your phone away. You know, you've got people to people to talk to here. And so I, growing up without a lot of tech, starting to work for a company that is all about every single technical device and getting the information out there was hard at first. But I remember just kind of core values. What do I, you know, really want <laughs> um, when when I get home at the end of the day, what type of quality time do I want with my loved ones and family? And so I've been able to maintain the idea of putting the phone and the laptop away when you go home because I fix it is on a mission 24 hours a day, but yeah. I can still sleep. <laughs> we can all still sleep. You could be on your device, couldn't you? And, 24-7, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's especially tough when you're working for a company that's on an awesome mission, but it's also very rewarding. So trying to find that balance is hard, but you definitely have more control over it when you feel like you understand your devices better. And finally, what what have you learned about yourself from your tech habits and your relationship with tech? I, I know that one of the things is that you've you said, haven't you? You've you've learned that you can fix these devices. So that's yeah. you know that's as a result of the work that you do with iFixit. Is there anything else you think you've learned from your relationship with tech about yourself during my time at iFixit? I've I've also learned that I'm just kind of well. This is okay, but I'm bad about <laughs> being consistent on Twitter and these things. And at first, I kind of thought that that was a problem because you see all these tech news reporters and YouTubers and these people creating content every single day, something new every single day. And I often felt like for a long time, God, I just like really can't, we just, how can we ever keep up? And what I realized is that it's okay to not be able to keep up because everybody else is pretty crazy with all that kind of stuff. And so I learned that my you know core values with just wanting to take a break they can still exist in you know my line of work and work life with all of this so I think I realized that I had bad habits but that's okay <laughs> like I don't need to be using my devices every day and honestly if I want them to last a long time I need to give them a break the more often you use your phone the quicker that battery drains and the faster you'd have to replace it so do you know I only found that out yesterday that the iPhone battery only lasts the current battery for 500 charges yeah there's only um, a set of charging cycles and so once you use those that's up that's under two years isn't it and and whatever we do that battery runs out and yeah yeah so, so using it a lot less is going to make it last a lot longer yes which I really love <laughs> as a mission for getting people off their phones there's an environmental benefit yeah repairing is one thing but getting people off their phones go outside do something else you know? and and be good to the planet by not running down your battery absolutely um, so I want to say thank you so much Kelsey this has been brilliant I've really really enjoyed this chat I've learned so much um yeah. if everyone wants to keep up to date with everything you're doing you I fix it's on twitter are you on Instagram as well? I know you've got a YouTube channel, haven't you? Yep, we're on Instagram at iFixit. And you can also follow iFixit Europe on Instagram as well to start to get to know that team and all of their right to repair um, sustainability initiatives. And of course, 
on the website itself a huge wealth of information and I want everyone listening to this podcast to make a commitment to try and fix a cracked screen <laughs> or, a, or a problem with a battery um, because I think we can all do it. I think we can learn how to do that and fantastically people like you, Kelsey at iFixit are providing us with the resources to do that. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.